So I love poetry. And my favorite poet is Wallace Stevens. And I have friends who love poetry. And some of them were like big John Ashbery fans. And, you know, I would read John Ashbery and I just, I didn't get it. Like, I just didn't like him that much. I just understand what they were so excited about. And I had this one friend, Ben, especially, who really loved John Ashbery. And I used to go to the public library often and I would get out audio tapes and I would record them for myself. I would, you know, make a copy and then I would return the, the library copy. And I remember there was a, a tape of John Ashbery reading his poems. And I, I had no interest in John Ashbery myself, but I knew my friend Ben did. So I, I took it out of the library for him and I made a copy and I sent it to him. And while I was at it, I made another copy for me. Just, you know, what the hell. And I just had this tape laying around. I didn't really listen to it ever. And then when I was living in San Francisco, I had a tape deck in my car. And I was just going through a bunch of tapes. What am I going to listen to in my car? And I just, I just grabbed this and I just put it in my car. And one day I put it in the tape deck. And I listened to it. And I don't know what it was. I just couldn't stop. I listened to it again the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and every day, all I would do when I drove anywhere was listen to this John Ashbery tape. And there was like maybe 20 poems on there, and I, I, I learned all of them by heart. Like, it just, for a year, all I did was listen to this one tape by John Ashbery, wherever I went. And at first, I didn't really understand it. I just was kind of intrigued by it. Or there'd be like one line that I would kind of like, like, and that would keep me going. And then like another line, and then another. And then I start to understand what he was doing with language. And just little by little, by osmosis, I started to understand his poetry. And after a year, it took me a whole year, I felt like I understand what he's doing. And it's amazing. And so I became a huge fan. And I really wanted to make a film about him and about his work. And I just, I, I, I worshiped this guy. And I got his phone number you know, his office number at Bard where he was teaching. I left him a bunch of messages and he never responded. So I figured, okay, he doesn't like me. And, and I actually filmed him at a poetry reading and I, had to, and I used it in a film called In the Bathtub of the World. There's just a little part where I had this footage, but I needed his permission. So I actually sent it to his agent and I asked if I could use his permission to use this. And the answer was yes. So I was glad, but I didn't know if he just said to everybody or, or if he liked the film. I sent him the film. And then a friend of mine who also loved John Ashbery told me that she went up to him after a, a reading and she mentioned me and my film that I made. And he said that he really liked it. And she told me this. And I was so excited. John Ashbery liked my film. And so I'm like, oh my God, I, I have to like ask him again if I can make a film about him. So I got a hold of him somehow. I forget how. And I asked if I could meet him to talk about it. And he said, yes. So I met him and his boyfriend, David Kermani, at a diner just by their apartment in Chelsea. And we talked and I told him, you know, what I was imagining. And he seemed open to it, but he didn't commit. And I tried everything. You know, I, 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 I kept, you know, pitching him and telling him why it was important to me and how much it meant to me and how I was going to do it. And he just would always say, I don't know, let me think about it. And it really hurt my feelings. Like, like every time he would say no or not say yes, I would feel really bad about myself because I just wanted him to like me so much. And I wanted, I just needed his approval. 
And so it was really weighing on me. And I just was an experience of rejection. It was like being rejected over and over again. And then finally, I thought, well, maybe if I just say, how about if I just do an audio interview? I won't film you, just audio. Then would you do it? And he said, okay. So I went to Hudson where he had a house. And I brought my camera equipment just in case I could talk him into letting me shoot. And David opened the door. And I told David, you know, I brought my camera, but I don't have to use it. I just thought in case. And David said, yeah, you should ask him. So John comes down and David says, you know, he brought his camera in case you're open to shooting. And and John says, what? I thought it was just audio. I said, yeah, 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 it is just audio. I brought the audio, but just in case you're open to it, I also brought the video in case you changed your mind. And John starts freaking out. He's like, but I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I would have cut my hair. I would have worn something different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have worn this if I knew that you were going to film it. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is really stressing him out. And I was just like, don't worry about it, John. Don't worry about it. We'll just do audio. We'll just do audio. So he kind of calms down and we do audio. And I started asking him all these questions and I'm just so excited. And I'm doing this thing, which I don't know why I did this, but I keep interrupting him. He starts to give me an answer and it makes me think of another question. And I just was so excited. I just kept interrupting him and I wouldn't let him answer the questions. And it was mostly me talking. I was doing all the talking of this interview. And I kept saying, oh, have you read this book? Have you read this? What do you think about Blanchot? Have you read Foucault's The Order of Things? Have you read this? And John started saying, stop asking me that. You're going to make me look like an ignoramus. Because he kept saying, no, I haven't read that. I haven't read that. And I I was shocked because John Ashbery is like the most erudite person, I think, in the world. And he was like, worried about seeming not well-read because I'd read some things that he hadn't. And I could tell that I was kind of like alienating him. And at a certain point, he just said, okay, I'm tired, stop. And I felt really bad. I felt like I'd done a really bad interview. I'd alienated him. And what am I going to do with audio anyway? And I just dropped it. I just dropped it because it was just too painful to me. And then he died. And there was a funeral service and uh, John's boyfriend, David Kermani, invited me because, you know, he liked me and, you know, we had bonded because, you know, everything went through him. So he had kind of spent more time with me than, than John had really. And I went. And Michael Almereda, this filmmaker I know, who used to be my friend, but has kind of been really hostile to me lately for complicated reasons. So he's like a friend of me. And, you know, Michael Almereda was at the funeral service and he had done an interview with Ashbery right before Ashbery died. And Ashbery was a little vain and he really wanted to look good on camera. But he would have looked so much better if he let me film it the time that I did than a few years later when Michael did. And also, it wasn't very good. Michael's film sucked. It was all these like very sloppy cuts to things that he's talking about Mine would have been so much better. And now there's a shitty film about John Ashbery instead of a great one.